Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. The gravity, the, basically the gravity that uh, most brands are encountering is the use of cliched ideas, repetitive language, me too solutions, which, you know, hey, oh, they're screaming, we're going to scream. Oh, they're doing this funnel, we're going to do this funnel. Oh, they're using those colors. The, the roadmap out is obviously is differentiation. That is the roadmap out. Because if you look at any pattern of you or myself buying something, we will find that um, we chose something because it was clearly in it first got our attention because it was different. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 73. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with David Breyer. David is Google's number one ranked rebranding expert. His four decades of branding expertise are sought after by companies of all sizes, from startups to global organizations, and every industry demanding an unorthodox edge in today's business climate. David is the best-selling author of his number one Amazon book, Brand Intervention, 33 Steps to Transform the Brand You Have into the Brand You Need. David and his work have been featured in Adweek, Fast Company, Forbes, Inc., Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, Thrive Global, The New York Times, and numerous blogs and podcasts around the world, including this one. David, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely, man. And thank you so much for having me. No, it's really a pleasure. And I'm super excited to have this conversation. <clears throat> My last podcast guest, Robert Roger Brooks, was kind enough to make this introduction. And he spoke glowingly of you and your work. And so I'm delighted that you're here and I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, because that's a place that I typically turn when I want to learn more about somebody. And you wrote something really interesting. You wrote that you possess an insatiable urge to help brands defy gravity, to achieve brand elevation, to avoid the six feet under program that goes with brand deflation. So there's quite a mouthful in that. What is the gravity that you're talking about that brands are facing? And how do you help them to achieve elevation? Okay, the gravity, the, basically the gravity that uh, most brands are encountering is the use of cliched ideas, repetitive language, me too solutions, which, you know, hey, oh, they're screaming, we're going to scream. Oh, they're doing this funnel, we're going to do this funnel. Oh, they're using those colors. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I speak with newer companies that are like, oh, well, there's the Goliath that we want to actually, uh, you know, take down. And so what we're going to do is they're using blue. So we're going to use blue too. Mm. I'm going, so what you want to, your goal is your strategy is to remind everyone that you are a copycat of them. Sure. You know what I mean? It's that, so that's an example of the short-sighted uh, kind of gravity that pulls and weighs brands down mm -hmm. and the, the, the roadmap out is obviously is differentiation. That is the roadmap out. Because if you look at any pattern of you or myself buying something, we will find that um, we chose something because it was 
clearly in it first got our attention because it was different and then continued to live up to that point of difference. Sure. So that's really interesting because, you know, I hear this a lot when people say that uh, if everyone's doing one thing, you know, move in the opposite direction, kind of be that differentiator. On the other hand, I want to push back a little bit and ask the question, if everybody's doing it and it's working for them, why wouldn't we want to replicate what they're doing outside of the differentiation piece? Is there not some wisdom in trying to replicate what's working for other, for other companies, other brands? Well, it depends what you're replicating. See, too many times people are replicating the, let, let, let's look at it from a standpoint of human behavior. You go, oh, okay, I, 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 I've, I've observed so-and-so to have certain success. They do, they, every morning they uh, drink their first cup of coffee at 8 a.m. Uh, they do some exercise from 8.15 to 8.45. They then do something else at nine o'clock and they do something else. Da, 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 and I could say, well, they're successful. Therefore, I am going to now duplicate everything they've just done. No, 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 no. That would be a short-sighted, stupid, and, and what I call lazy analysis. No. Why do they do what they do? Why does he do that at eight? You know, what's the thing? Is there like, if we understand, oh, well, he does that because it centers him and he does that or he or she does that because that, that, you know, it gives them a fresh, a fresh point of view with regard to X, Y, Z, or, and that aligns to their power or that aligns to their service and role in the world. See, if we don't understand the reason that's driving something, then we're simply mimicking actions, right? That's the thing. Replication is fine. It's what are we replicating? Mm. Replicating the wrong thing becomes the liability. Oh, okay. Well, they did. They had. Uh, they had. They did this. They had this thing. And this triggered that. And then. And if this happened, then that happened. And if that happened, that happened. Well, wait a second. Was that true to their to their culture? Was that in service of their customer? And was it different when they first did it? And is it now cliche and mundane and no longer actually makes a difference in the world? So we've got to be able to think intelligently when we're doing analysis. See, I struggle with this a lot. And I'll tell you, I was like super excited to have this conversation. A little bit of my backstory, if I may, for a moment. You know, I'm a former educator and school leader. So my, I have no background in branding and marketing uh, and really understanding who I am as an individual, the services that I provide. Because frankly, I was all about providing service in a fixed, finite organization. And to the degree that we were in the marketing business, we were marketing the institution. We weren't marketing the individual. And yeah. all of a sudden, I found myself on the outside looking in, needing to figure out my next steps professionally. And I decided to go all in on the coaching side, which was totally foreign for me. You know, I made this website. I thought I'd hang my shingle and here I am and I'm going to provide all this service. And I realized that it's a much more involved and lengthy process as far as getting yourself out there, really being known and being known in a specific way that ultimately allows you to be recognized by potential clients and they'd reach out to you that whole piece. So what I'm kind of interested in here is that I've done a lot of the how-to research to figure out how do I get myself to achieve the levels of success that I want. And I'm following the wisdom, let's call it, of various gurus, whether they're coaches or others, or say, do this, do this, do this, do this. So you know, from my perspective, it seems like follow their, quote, turnkey approach or follow their approach that they lay out. And that will ultimately be the holy grail to my success. I haven't found it always worked for me. And I wasn't sure if it because it's because I didn't do it right or it's or if it's more because what you're saying, David, that you really have to analyze every step of the way and say, is this consistent with 
my, my core offer? Is it consistent with who I am? Can I deliver this way? Do I need to adjust it? So I guess to turn it into a question, right? What does a person or an organization or a company, they're looking to figure out, maybe they're going into an area that's new for them. They don't really know. And so they see others who've been successful. They want to replicate it because they feel like that's probably the fastest way to success. How do they put on those discerning glasses and say, this could work, this doesn't work? How do they go through that process? How do you guide them to that? Great, great, great question. And it actually, what you've just outlined was, that's what actually um, was the path that I had gone on when I put together my brand intervention masterclass. So besides helping companies as I do, you know, helping them really rebrand as they need and develop their brand so they really stand out. And because we only have two options when we're out in the world, right? There's either adding to the noise or rising above the noise. Mm. You're, 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 you're not, it's not like, well, we're sort of kind of, we're sort of kind of blending in. Well, not really, but yes, we are. I mean, you know, it's, it doesn't really add up. So you're either, so with that, I like you, I was like, you know, Oh, wow. I'm hearing, you know, I, I mean, cause look, I've been doing this for 41 years. So you can imagine over the course of without question that, that career I've seen, you know, I've seen my share of, of gurus that, you know, rise and fall and rise and fall. And I've gone in and I've gone, okay. So I, I probably dipped in maybe, I think about five, maybe four or five times. I was like, I was like, even if I got half of what they're saying, as far as value, even if I got half of that, that would be worth the investment. And so I'll go in and I'll do that. And, uh, and I can use the tools to help my business. I can use the tools to help my clients. And I always found myself as clueless at the end as mm. I was in the beginning. The only difference was now I had what I call the educational souvenirs that they gave me. The right. swipe files and the folders and the formulas and the blueprints and the this and the that. And it all seemed to follow a similar pattern. They would give you all of this stuff they'd like, they, that, that you, that the idea that you didn't get value was almost absurd because just look around you. You have all this crap surrounding you, sure. <laughs> but, the bottom line is, but the bottom line is, is they never, in my experience, none of them broke down. They, they found something that worked for them. Now they tried to codify that and turn that into something that in theory should work for you. And a few of the people that they've worked with, they were also able to somehow unearth it. But why did it work for them and not work for all of these other people? Why did it not work for me? So that became the premise of my, it's like, what is it that people need to know? Do people need more rules or do they need more knowledge? And I came to the conclusion that people will thrive if they know knowledge. If you know the anatomy of why a brand works, that puts you in the driver's seat. If you know the anatomy of what stands in the way of a brand working, that puts you in the driver's seat. If you know what are the 23 key differentiators that go into every brand, if you know the three phases of branding, see, in other words, if I'm grooving you in to know how to assemble and disassemble a brand and put it together and then work out getting the right sequence of here's how you now develop your brand, you would be in a very powerful position rather than, hey, okay, you know what I you know, hey, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I go, and it's like, here's the deal. All right, just do this and do this and do this and do this funnel and do this thing and do that thing and da da da, which is all tactical mechanics. And I and so when I'm educating, whether I'm working with clients directly or whether people are taking my masterclass, um, 
the outcome is that they now are like, I can now navigate because I know. Sure. Right? I'm not just going through the motions. And that it goes back to your initial question. Like, why wouldn't I replicate? Because those are the motions. Like that's the same reason why I, when I work with, with companies anywhere in the world of any size or any shape, I never take their conclusions. I say, what's the problem you're running into? Well, we don't have enough, blah, 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 blah. I said, good. And, and back it up. So what's actually happening? Well, blah, 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 blah. I said, good. And what led up to that? Oh, well, blah, 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 blah. And I, so I have, to, I have to literally peel back the onion to go, oh, so you actually started doing X, Y, Z, which resulted in this, 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 and then this, 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 and then this is this. But too many of us have been trained to look at the, the layers, the outer layers, which don't tell us where it actually started to derail. That's like people who show up and say, why are you going to work? Well, to, to, for, to, to, get, a, to get my check. So, you know, that the check is, is the result of you having worked and provided value. That's not the reason you go to work. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. I'm actually very interested in, in a sort of a follow-up question because you're talking about now peeling back the onion. Once people get into your ecosystem, they've reached out to you, they're connected with you, you start that conversation. I'm curious to know how do people get into your funnel to begin with? And is it because you're sort of marketing to them a need and that brings them to an aha moment? Or are they coming to you saying, we have this problem, who can solve it? And they find you. Like what is typically the path people, people because I don't know that necessarily every company recognizes that there's an issue with their brand. So I'm kind yeah. of interested in the genesis of those conversations. Yeah, the basic thing is there, there, I would say both of those buyer's journeys that you outlined actually exist factually. There are those who... You know, I mean, I've been, I, I, if anybody starts to look at the sheer volume of content that I have out there, it's a lot. Um, there's, you know, there, there are articles and there are videos and there's stuff and, and whether they go to LinkedIn or they go to my, my website or they go wherever they go, they're going to find a lot of content. So I, I'm, I'm fundamentally, I absolutely believe our job as brands is to is to educate, to illuminate, to help people understand. Oh, these two things that I thought were really really similar are widely divergent. They're actually, but you can only come to that conclusion if you have enough information, because old information will not result in new conclusions. And that you can use in sales, that you can use in branding, that you can use in business. Old information will not result in new conclusions. We, if we're in business and we're looking to educate someone, we're looking to uh, illuminate, we're looking to, to help them come to realizing, oh my goodness, this solution that I was looking at purchasing would have been a big mistake and I actually need this one. How are they going to come to that conclusion with new information? So it's our job to help them connect dots that they are otherwise not really connecting. Uh, or overlooking or ignoring. And so, so, so I have, go ahead. Sorry. So, I and I have, so I have people, no problem. I, so I have people that's that, that some, there, there are companies that will call up and say, David, we've been following you. Da, 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 da. You, we, you know, and they understand my sensibility. They understand my philosophy when it comes to how to build a brand. Um, I mean, I've taken, I mean, just as just, I mean, two specific points, everything I've just told you and gone over over the last 20 plus minutes. I've implemented those with, with, with my clients of all different types and such. I have a client that I rebranded 
about six months prior to COVID. And through, through, from then through COVID to now, they have forexed in, in, their, in their, their company. Okay. Um, and it's a competitive space. It's actually, it's premium dog food. It's good boutique, it's gourmet, um, but we understand. And the differentiation is enormous what we did. And it's because of that, that they got this unbelievable loyalty and referrals and all this kind of stuff. And they've literally forexed another company. And that's in, that's in Massachusetts, another company in, in, in uh, California. They unveiled literally the month that, that COVID starts, so March, 2020, wow. right? And, we, and who, who knew, right? You, know, you just was like, okay, there's this thing called COVID. You know, nobody knew, quite knew what was what. Right. So anyway, we, we do that. But we turned them into a multi-million dollar company in the last year and a half, 18 months. And they're, and they're lined up to double. And that's a, and that's a $250,000 expedition vehicle. So that's the thing there. That, so it's like whether you're talking about smaller priced items or products or services, it doesn't quite matter. But the principles that I've just outlined go into allowing people to come to new conclusions and thereby become customers. So I'm curious because we kind of talked, originally you were talking more about what I felt was your personal brand, right? Putting all your content out there, giving people a sense of who you are, what you do. And then you moved into talking about some of your clients, which are companies. So I'm curious, which do you feel to be easier to work with from a branding standpoint? Is it easier to brand an individual and put out a personal footprint? Because again, it's me, the person, this is my content, this is what I do. Right, with a company, you're not necessarily blogging per se or doing those kinds of things, though some of them do. Uh, I'm curious to know what you have found to be easier and, um, and maybe even more exciting for you. To be honest, as long as, as, long as the person, first of all, and, every, and for all of my clients, I work exclusively with the CEOs, the founders, the business owners. So to me, I'm always working with a person. That's mm -hmm. number one. Number two is to me, it's no, there's not a difference. Like there are people who say, oh, B2B and so different than D2B2C and this and personal branding and business branding. And they try and make all these distinctions. I tell them that they are full of it. And it is, that is a, that is a, a truckload of ugh. And so the, it is, it's false because if you know, there are things that will open your, our, your eyes, your mind, and your heart. And if those th things are done consistently, relevantly, authentically, and in, in a way that's, that where it's truly genuine and actually providing true value, um, that will ultimately lead to relationships and it will ultimately open a wallet. So do I find it easier to do work with a person than work with a company? I don't find it easier to, to work with either. I find it as exciting as long as I don't, if, if I'm dealing with someone that's trying to convince me that they're boring and that they have no story to tell, then, then, then we have, then it's like, okay, come here, come here. All right. You had someone you know, sorry about that. <laughs> because I, I'm reading um, again, Simon Sinek's Know Your Why and some other books. And, and yep. so they always talk about the founder, right? And whether it's yep. Bill Gates or, um, or Steve Jobs or whomever, what was their why, yeah. what was their purpose? And it's sort of that, that figure can, in some cases, sort of transcend the company, 
become the, the poster child, if you will, for what it is that the company stands for. And then you've got a combination of things. You've got the, the, the entity plus the individuals behind it kind of humanizes the process. So I'm curious to know, do you push those CEOs, those founders, those leading individuals in the companies that you're working with to take on a more outward persona and to be more Always. recognized in order to really push the brand, forget themselves? Um, where, where that fits into the ecosystem, like, like, like some, some business owners are better managers, okay? They're better organizers. They're better internal leaders and others. And, and, I've had to, and I have had to coax some of, uh, some of them that have wanted to be, they, they tried to sell me on, on what a wonderful introvert they were. Mm. And I said, you're full of it. I said, you're full of crap. I said, you, you are, I said, maybe other people are buying it. I ain't buying it. So I will push back because I'm never, if, if they're, if they're willing to try and close me on, Hey, look, I'm really a little guy. I'm really not that important. I'm like, really, you're going to build a company on that foundation. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, no, that is, that's serving no one. And it's a lie. And you're, I mean, I mean, you, you mentioned two pivotal figures. So you got, you know, Bill Gates and you've got um, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was charismatic, charismatic and an amazing storyteller. Bill Gates is boring. Right. Bill Gates, is, Bill Gates is boring. He makes tofu look exciting. <laughs> okay. And so, and so, you know, so it's like if Bill Gates could get out there, you know, I mean, he was, he's dull. He's dull. He makes cardboard look like a thrill. Oh, Jimmy, give me another piece of cardboard. That, that's so exciting to look See, at. Because when I'm, when I'm reading Jim Collins, for example, good to great, and he's talking about those level five leaders and that many of them are introverted and more humble and back, you know, back, back office, so to speak, and self-effacing. So they, they, these individuals obviously succeeded, whether it was Walgreens, whichever, whichever company, corporation they were running. So I'm just curious to know, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with what specifically I'm referring to, but I would imagine that you can have it both ways. But what I'm hearing from you is if the leader is out there, it's going to amplify things significantly. Absolutely. The human, the human side, the human side of the equation, I think is one of the great underappreciated components when it comes to a brand. You know, I mean, as much as, as much as Samsung uh, products might have, you know, might have technologies that equal or just, they're all about like this. Why do we still revere Apple, right? It is because there's a, a human component. Samsung is a faceless organization. I mean, I can guarantee you right now. I mean, if, if, if Samsung were to, were to, put a human face on it, not a spokesperson that's talking on behalf of some celebrity. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an actual person that is a, about and, you know, about the, that's creating the, the, the philosophy and the, the vision and the this and that, the other, that's where you add layers and layers and layers. It, the, the brand goes deep, right? Then you start to expose the soul of the brand. Mm. Otherwise it's a transaction. Right. We love the human connection, which leads me to my next question, David. And that is, so I, I told you about my story and needing to rebrand and everything else as I moved into coaching and whatnot. And to be able to tell people that I could really help them, they need to be able yeah. to trust me. So I needed to show up in a variety of ways, which weren't really comfortable. And I do identify just for the record as an introvert, which I've shared many times on the show. And for you know my own definition, 
I don't just talk about whether it's a matter of being shy or more uh, publicly inclined. It's really a matter of energy sourcing, right? So where do I, what lights me up? Do I like to go into a networking event and sort of schmooze and be out there with everybody else? Or do I want to huddle up, be off to the side, read a book, kind of like be more private in that way? But that all said, it sounds very clear to me, and I think we, we both uh, believe in this, that leaders really need to be thinking about their personal brand all the time. And I'm just curious, how do you coach them up? Like, what do you tell a leader to do? And what should leaders who are listening to this podcast, whether they run a small mom and pop business, they're entrepreneurs, they're running something larger, they lead teams, how should they be showing up every day in a way that feels genuine, that doesn't feel like a burden, and at the same time advances what needs to be advanced for the growth that they seek? Well, I would say, I would say, first of all, it probably will feel a bit like a burden to them. I, I, I'll dismiss that as like the, the idea that it's not going to be a burden. It's probably going to be a little bit of a burden to them. Could be a little bit, could be a little bit more than a little bit, but it, it they're going to have to start to build that into their um, regimen of living. And I think it's just a matter of they need to have a realization and I, oh, and what I do is I, I take on that challenge to give them that realization or to, to get them to come to that realization that who is being served if you are not providing the insight that you actually could provide. Okay. The other thing is this, not everybody is, A, a, a great thinker. And when I say a great thinker, it's like someone who can do a good job of explaining stuff, providing insight and stuff. So they, they may look like, for example, if someone like I would never put a bean counter, you know, someone who just is like, all they want is spreadsheets and they just want to know numbers and profits and balances and blah, blah, blah. Like they're not a people person. They don't look at relationships. They look at outcomes of relationships, which is, Oh, did someone pay? And did their check clear? Right. <laughs> right. It's, so that's not, that's not going to be a great person. Now, unless now there's always this opportunity, unless for example, oh, they're in a particular industry and no, and everyone in the industry is like this and that and da, 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 and they can come along and say, look, you know, I'm pretty dull and here's why I'm dull. Cut right through it. So they can be the, they could be the hardcore traditionalist, you know, very good right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a brand so, by us. So there's a company, NJM. They're like a like an insurance, and they now said no jingles or mascots. That's their acronym, but that's not what it really yeah. stands for. So instead of Progressive yeah. and Geico and all of these with all of their representatives right. and whatnot. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's so that's the thing. So I mean, you know, but that's but that's what I do is I I really I make sure that my my clients are truly owning the their impact in the world nice. you're either having an impact or you're not having an impact if you're not having an impact that's on you if you're having an impact that's on you um and it's not a blame game it's a look it's the fact it, stuff doesn't just happen you know because of karma or something like that you know well, I, I did a good deed, therefore, blah, 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 or I did, or, oh, I did something bad and, oh, this is payback. And I mean, come on, you know, let's, let's, I'm sorry, there's someone that actually decided to try and reach me. And I thought that I put on my, my, my 
do not disturb. And I do have my do not disturb. So it's interesting that you're talking about impact, David, because, you know, for me as a coach, I talk about impact all the time. You know, to me, that's sort of top of mind. My world of education was always about impact. But even, for example, when I hear about John Deere bringing their folks out to the fields in order to see the, the, the machinery being utilized and making a difference for farmers or making a difference for others. So, so that really drives to a more basic need that we all have, right? And that's a need to, 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 fulfill, to fulfill a, a more meaningful purpose in the world, not just to be here to get a check, like you said, or to take home some nice revenue. It's really about making the world a better place than where we started. So I love the idea that you're telling people, if you want to just be vanilla, if you just want to kind of like run a company and be what it is, so be it. But if you want to make an impact, if you really want to be a difference maker, you have to get uncomfortable because you're going to have to take it to the next level. So I think it's a great message. And so I'm just curious to know if there was ever, this is a little bit of a creative uh, question, sort of a spinoff of what we've been talking about. Um, is there, think, I'm asking you to think about one historical uh, figure or historical event that you, if you could go back and quote, rebrand them, you know, maybe they got a bad um, bad PR historically, they weren't looked at correctly. Like, what would you advise that person? Or what would you, what would you say if you were sort of like in that moment that would give people sort of like a different perspective on, on the individual or the event? It's interesting you, you, you mentioned that because I, I, just, uh, I just dropped an article on, uh, on um, LinkedIn today, actually on, on branding. And okay. one, and rebranding and, and one of the one of the ones that I talked about was in 2010, the Gap did a rebrand. I think it's the shortest lived rebrand in the history of of, of any company in the, in business ever. Shorter than New Coke. It was it was it was six days. Wow, six that is short. days. They did it. I saw it. It was the stupidest, ugliest most short-sighted, dumbest, most misguided. It looked like amateurish. It looked like someone opened up Microsoft Word and did something. It was pathetic. I wrote in my Fast Company column, I wrote, uh, I wrote an article that was a scathing review of this despicable. It was disgusting because the gap was an iconic brand for years ago. Yep. I don't know if you remember, but remember there's, there's a, the, the, he was a legendary photographer. There was a great photographer called Herb Ritz. And this is when I was, uh, when I was starting my career in New York and Herb Ritz did these amazing black and white. I, I don't want to call them portraits because they were kind of like, they were like, whatever. They, they were almost full figure, but they were black and white. Amazing light. And they had everyone from Brad Pitt to Sean Penn. To, but it was just, they, they, they had emotion and attitude. And I remember them seeing him in the bus shelters. So they were like bigger than life size, right? And it was the gap. And it was like, if you ever wanted to just kind of get like just cool stuff to just hang out. I remember just, as a teenager. Yeah, the gap was huge. They were great. They were great. And so the thing is, is that so then they, they so they had lost their, lost their, their sweet spot. Then someone came up with this thing, and I wasn't the only one who gave it a scathing review. It was everywhere. Every blog that had anything to do with marketing, design, anything, it, it was lambasted. Unbelievable. And 
I don't know what problem they were trying to solve. Maybe it was the factor that their, that their shares had dropped, I think, 40% in value over the prior 12 months or something like that. So they were really on a decline. They were trying to stop this free fall. But that was an example. It was in 2010 that they did that. And I, I would have loved to have been the person there that says, okay, what's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the this? What's the that? Da, 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 da. And how do we resurrect this back to our previous glory? Because, and why have we lost share? See, these are the questions. These are the, do you see the difference of the, these questions compared to what we talked about? It's like, we could have, we could have said, well, let's look at another fashion brand that's actually doing well and let's replicate them. That would have been stupid. That would have not been uh, an intelligent pathway. But this other one, now we understand. So why have we lost, lost resonance with our customer? Why have we become diluted? Why have we become yesterday's news and not tomorrow's news? And so, so that would have been an interesting opportunity. Yeah, that certainly is. And I think there's just, branding is everywhere. We don't even think about it. You know, when I read Dan Pink's To, to Sell as Human, it just reinforced yeah. the idea that we're constantly selling, whether we think we're selling or not, whether we have a yep. product in front of us or we don't, because people, I, I see this all the time, David, I'm sure you've had this as well, where people will connect with me or I with them at an event. Um, they'll read something of mine, whatever it is. And years later, after we've both fallen off of each other's radars, something will, will, will cause that reconnection and then boom. And they already have such a deep level of connection because there's been that entry point. So you never know. You really never know. And I encourage sure. everybody who's listening to this conversation to realize you are a brand. You're a walking, living, breathing brand with everything you do, whether you represent yourself, whether you represent a company or any type of institution, and you always have to be thinking about ways to develop that. So one last question before we pivot, and that is, yeah. you mentioned that you're from New York. I know you told me you're from the city. Um, yeah. Now you're out in Wisconsin. So what brought a New York City boy out to uh, the heartland of the US, a lovely place, by the way, um, I'm just curious to know that transition for you. Well, I always get asked that question. And the first thing and I, I always tell people, I give them this response. I say, first of all, it's part of a witness protection program. And to tell you more, I'd have to kill you. And then, and then option two, what's behind door number two is um, true love, as this is where my wife is from. Ah, uh, Okay. And so, you, or you could take, or you could take what's behind door number three, which is a little hybrid, sort of like a Quentin Tarantino, you know, Tom Hanks romance kind of bloodbath. <laughs> well, my wife slapped me to Chicago, so I totally get <clears throat> what it's like to be a transplanted New Yorker out in the Midwest. So now there we're going to now we're going to transition to rapid fire. Here we keep them nice and tight. Um, okay. From your perspective, the best brand of all time. I would say between, I, I'd say it's probably a toss up between Apple and Coca-Cola for a variety of reasons, but that, I was that's thinking Coke. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, a secret spot that helps you to be and think most creatively. There's a place called open book in Minneapolis, which has the most wonderful wood interiors oh, a fantastic metallic staircase and a cafe an open cafe and it's next to a a, a, 
a bookmaking uh, store. So it's kind of like this immersion of this little, this little oasis of, of culture and wood and coffee. <laughs> and that just brings out the best in you. Neat. Yep. Okay. And finally, because I'm asking this to everybody now, as I have a productivity book coming out soon, a productivity tip that helps you to get more done. That basically whatever I am doing to ask myself, is this the best that I can do? Hmm. This was a short segment, but I do need elaboration on this last one. Well, the thing is, is that I think it's very easy to fall into, oh, this is good. This is fine. You know, sort of like whether it's almost like a little mini version of what I call doing things on autopilot. Mm. Oh, I'm good at this. Okay. Yep. I did that. And so you're going, so it's almost like doing things a little, a little bit automatic. So to me, to prevent myself from doing something just on automatic and making sure, is this now, not yesterday, not a week ago, not two years ago, not five years ago, not at the beginning of my career, or even gauged against what everyone else is doing, is this the best that I can do right now? Love the question. Okay, David, well, you have certainly opened the door and opened our minds in so many ways as it relates to branding, rebranding, just thinking purposefully in life and about who we are and what we're here to accomplish. So um, I, I know folks want to reach out to you. I know uh, that there's so much more that value that you could be offering. You mentioned a masterclass and all that good stuff. Take a minute and let Lead to Succeed Nation know more about how they could reach you and benefit from what it is that you have to offer. 100%. I, I appreciate that. So first of all, I mean, the, the, for those that are not familiar with this, I would say, get this. This is, this is a lot of people just refer to this as the Bible for branding. And, you know, right there, you see Damon John from Shark Tank. He wrote the forward to it. It's a great book. And it is, an, and, and you'll see right there. That's, that's the size. That's, that's the oh, size I love of that. That could work okay. for me. I could actually just a few pages. It's great. It's great. And so people, so that's, that's one thing. The other thing too is for, for sure. My website is rising above the noise.com. That's R I S I N G rising above the noise.com. You can certainly visit there, download, download my free ebook and just subscribe and reach out to me on LinkedIn. And you know, I'm on YouTube and Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I would say for sure, um, if you, if you want to change things, if you truly want to make an impact in the world, the bottom line is, is to me, life is about legacy. And, you know, it's like, you know, are we leaving, are we leaving a legacy in our, in, 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 that we have been here and we've actually made things better as entrepreneurs, as family members, as people of, of, of citizen of the humanity, of humanity across the planet. Are we doing things better? And to me, branding is a tool that helps leverage that. And, and so I have a very big viewpoint on it. And so that's what I would say is certainly certainly reach out to me if, if anybody is interested in any of that and the masterclass, nine weeks that will transform how you exist. I love period. it. Period. 
So I will tell you, first of all, we're going to have your links in the show notes. Everyone will be able to access it there. In addition, Perfect. you actually jumped one step ahead because not only did you tell us where to reach you, but you also managed to leave us with a life lesson simultaneously, life yep. about impact, and really yep. to be thinking in those terms. So David, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day um, to yep. join us, um, join me on this conversation. Uh, Lead to Succeed Nation thanks you as well. It really has been a tremendous value add. Um, and for those of you who did not check out David yet on LinkedIn, I will tell you he's one of the coolest profiles out there. Um, just hover over his picture. And in a moment, you'll feel like you're on a Harley flying somewhere far. It's really, really neat. And um, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk again soon. So have a fantastic day. And thanks again. 100%. Thank you, man. Sure. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 